Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. General Electric is laying off 20% of its workforce. On the same day, we learn that OPEC is going to cut 2 million barrels a day from production. Now, why would I bring those two stories together? It's because I haven't given you the totality of the GE story. GE, as CNBC puts it, is laying off 20% of its workforce devoted to onshore wind power. You mean we don't have to engage in more energy security, whether it be natural gas or shale or all the energy we have underfoot, because our reliance should be totally and solely and completely and exclusively on green energy, and a company like General Electric is laying off 20% of its workforce solely dedicated to that area? Maybe that tells us something. And what it tells us is the environment, environmental, what do we call them, cultists who believe in green this, green that, and green the other can't actually power a society. You may want it, but you don't have it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, everybody? Good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. Love to hear from you. 833-468-8669. I got to tell you, I have got the crap ton of stuff. Spoke with uh, uh, Congressman Larry Bouchon. Got that for you. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, breaking down what's going on with this lack of oil production from OPEC, what it really signals and exactly what level of dire strait that we are in. I Please, that is a top-line story today, and I will get to it. But can I start with getting yelled at by Joe Biden? No, not not me. It's it's not like I was in Delaware and Joe Biden, you know, decided to to scream at me as you know he often screams non uh, uh, sensical things. What must be what? See, he's he, that didn't happen. Joe Biden is yelling at MAGA Republicans. Picture the, sh- the what I just shared with you. This top line story that is everywhere. OPEC is reducing its output by two million barrels a day. We utilize 20 million barrels a day in the United States, and Joe Biden is going to further reduce the Strategic Petroleum Reserve by taking another 10 million barrels out of there, which will have to be replaced, by the way, at much higher prices. And while this is going on, Joe Biden is upset because the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals has struck down DACA. I'm sorry. What in the, what what is he upset about? You know, DACA, def, uh, deferring uh, of of uh, childhood arrivals. The very concept, the very idea, the very philosophy that the president of the United States controls immigration policy is is true. The president controls immigration policy, and what. Then President Obama said is, yeah, people can come. Deferred access for child, deferred action, I should say, for childhood arrivals. 
That was implemented by Biden saying, hey, we're not going to go after the kids of these adults who come over. It's it's fine. And then Trump said, no, no, we're going to do away with DACA. And some court said, you can't do that. It was an executive order. I'm the president of the United States. I write an executive order. It's done. They said you can't do it. Well, now the Fifth Circuit, the three-judge panel, determined that the Obama administration lacked the authority to institute the DACA program. But the court didn't say get rid of it. It still exists and DACA migrants can continue to receive legal protections. So Biden decides that today's decision, it actually came out yesterday, but you know what I mean. Today's decision is the result of continued efforts by Republican state officials to strip DACA recipients of the protections and work authorization that may have now held for over a decade. So it doesn't matter that it was unconstitutional or it was just basically against the law or however you want to describe it. People got to use it, so now you can't get rid of it. You see, it's just like abortion. It doesn't matter that it was wrongly decided. Why should we fix it? Everybody knew what it was, even if it was wrong. What are you going to do? Now you're just now you're just flaunting it in their, their face that there's a constitution and there's a rule of law and these things matter. Wow. I'm sorry. I think this is an incredible, incredible story. And Biden continued. My administration has continued to defending dreamers against attacks from Republican officials in Texas and other states. This challenge to DACA is just another example of the extreme agenda being pushed by MAGA Republican officials. OPEC is cutting 2 million barrels a day, upping the price of oil that's going to benefit Russia, where we are giving billions of dollars to Ukraine to fight that battle. And you're talking about MAGA Republicans causing us the problem? When you won't drill what is under your feet, as a matter of fact, you're opposed to offshore drilling. And there is a conversation about Biden putting more restrictions on offshore drilling. MAGA Republicans are your issue? Man. I mean, this is, this is just flat out dangerous, right? These are flat-out dangerous people. If you're not sure what you're going to do in this midterm election, I think I just laid it out for you. Where are the priorities? And the priority is not people who came to the country by breaking the law. The the, The priority is about everybody being able to get from point A to point B and have enough energy to heat their home. That's the priority. That's the priority. If it's not the priority, and if you're saying out loud, well, Tony, that's not the priority. First of all, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. Within these two things that I just shared, energy security or DACA recipients, if you believe that somehow DACA recipients are more of a priority than energy security, I put forth to you that you, they, don't know how to run a country, couldn't run a country, would lead us to ruin. We would be destitute, including the DACA recipients. Because let me tell you, when you have a deferred action and when you get to stay in the United States, you know what you'd like? A home that is heated. And look, I'm, I'm no expert. No, wait, 
On this, I think we're all experts. We like the house warm as opposed to not so warm. General Electric can't make no money on them damn windmills. We are taking steps to streamline and size our onshore wind business for market realities to position us for future success. Holy, holy cow. Oh my gosh, there was so much spin in that, I think I just got sick. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Vertigo for everybody. Dude, that's unbelievable. We are taking steps to streamline and size our onshore wind business for market realities to position us for future success. Translation, this crap don't make no money. (laughs) While we don't pursue energy security in the United States. I'm going to get into green in in, in a bit. What matters more? Your ideology or reality? I'm also going to discuss that in a little bit. But the reality is... It's more important to be energy secure than it is to ensure uh, these DACA recipients rights that they may not have been entitled to to begin with. It's hard for people to accept the fact that you rank things. They're shocked by it. They're stunned by it. They can't believe it. But this is exactly what you do. This is exactly what you should do. It's only the start of numerous conversations, including a story I have for you about a professor that got removed from the classroom because the course he taught was too hard. Oh, dear students, am I going to have words for you? Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. I know people are talking about Herschel Walker and abortion. I know that people are talking about Tom Brady and a divorce. I'll get into the Herschel Walker conversation in a little bit, but just really quick on on Tom Brady, because I actually got asked by a cable news outlet to talk about this, like go on TV and talk about this. And now it was yesterday, it was Jewish holiday. I'm like, I I don't work on, on Jewish holidays. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. But I don't talk about Tom Brady at all. What do, I, what do I know about Tom Brady and his divorce? What do I care about this subject? He's a grown man. Uh, she's a grown woman. They're having their issues. Uh, I'm staying out of it because I- I'm pretty sure that Tom Brady doesn't care whether I'm married, divorced, whatever. And that's the way I like it. I like it when I'm not thinking about Tom Brady at all. We focus on very strange things in the U.S. And then other stories get overlooked. So... I, I, I want to get into, I, I've been talking about oil all day, uh, and I'm going to talk more about this this production issue and exactly how it affects us. But let me share with you something else that affects us, something culturally that matters greatly. There is a man by the name of Maitland Jones. He teaches organic chemistry to students who are pre-med. Um. As anybody who is in the medical profession will tell you, um, organic chemistry is not what we call in the business a loved subject. Oh, God! That's the response 
to taking organic chemistry. You ask a doctor, you ask anybody in the medical profession, hey, did you enjoy organic chemistry? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 What What would uh, be better than, than organic chemistry? Well, you've lowered the bar quite a bit. Students at Princeton, as the story goes, pushed to have this professor removed from the classroom. A man who not only teaches the subject of organic chemistry, but wrote the textbook on the subject. When kids weren't showing up because of COVID, it was going to make them sick. They were afraid to leave their house, which is sad. It's sad. when If you're not immunocompromised and you're afraid to leave your house, that's pathetic. If you're immunocompromised, you've got real reason to stay at home. You can feel free about that one. But healthy people afraid to leave the house? Madness. Absolute madness. He taped the lectures, and he did it at his own expense. The students found that many of them were not passing the class. So the students, by the way, this happened at, I should say this happened at NYU. He used to be a teacher at Princeton. The students at NYU found they weren't passing the class, so they petitioned to have the teacher removed because the class, organic chemistry, was too hard. Now, I will admit to you I have never taken organic chemistry. I will tell you without having taken it, it's probably a very hard class. As a matter of fact, the purpose of the class could very well be to weed out those people who don't have what it takes to be doctors because some people don't have what it takes. And to the students at NYU... You should note that some of you aren't good enough to be doctors. Just because you want to be a doctor doesn't mean you get to be a doctor. You actually have to have the skills to be a doctor, and that includes an understanding of organic chemistry. And no one cares if you think it's tough, specifically and especially your patients who need you to have an understanding of organic chemistry. The professor says these kids weren't coming to class. They weren't watching the videos, and they weren't able to answer the questions. But instead of looking at these students saying, oh, well, they fired him. They fired him. As the New York Times says it, quote, they were not given the grades that would allow them to get into medical school because they shouldn't be in medical school. Because medicine is not interested in your ideology. Medicine is not interested in your feelings. There is a system. There is knowledge that you have to have. Otherwise, patients get killed because you don't understand how X corresponds to Y. And if you were to engage in a prescription of X and Y, you kill your patient. Thus, chemistry and organic chemistry become very, very important. The medical profession is in dire straits.
dire straits. Now, part of this is nursing where I'm going to get to. But part of this is this idea that, A, we have people who want to be doctors who don't want to do the work to be doctors. And what medical school should say is, go to hell, goodbye. Oh, but then they don't make enough money and they got to make the money. Maybe what we need are less medical schools. Look at that. We need doctors who can actually do the job and standards that have to be upheld. And any medical school anywhere that isn't going to uphold the standards and is going to pass students in organic chemistry rather than push them because it's too hard, that's not a medical school. That's a participation trophy school. And that's not what I want from my doctor. I want to know my doctor struggled. I want to know my doctor worked hard to get to where they are. And I sure as hell want to know that they took organic chemistry. And if you are a med student within the sound of my voice who thinks that organic chemistry is too hard, stop trying to be a doctor. You don't have what it takes. Now, I'm not going to insult you. It's okay not to have what it takes. Go on to something else. It's okay. But if you demand the rules change so you can be a doctor, I want you to go to hell. I think you're trash. I think you may have been raised by trash, but I can't necessarily blame your parents because they could be saying, holy cow, our kid is trash. And this is only part one of a story, guys. And and, and let me say, I have had to um, clean my language on this repeatedly. That's how mental I am about this. The other story is about how the medical profession is treating doctors and nurses and how it is going about wokeness in the in the medical profession you want to treat every patient exactly alike but patients are different they need to be treated uniquely based on their need you want nurses taking implicit bias training and when they don't take it you fire them one of those nurses who has written her story in the New York Times, Laura Morgan, is did just that. She quit. Lauren Morgan is scheduled to be with us next to talk about what happened and what's happening in the medical profession. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Issues with the medical profession are growing. They're building. NYU is firing professors because the students have decided that the classes are too tough and the kids can't get into medical school if they're not getting passing grades, as opposed to whether or not the kids are actually working harder to ensure they can pass. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz, today, you have medical groups, hospital groups, that want to push the idea that there's a certain way all patients have to be treated as opposed to treating each patient as they need to be treated. And I'm not just talking about from a medical side, I'm talking about from a practical side. If you think that a white man and a black woman are the same medically, I don't think you've spoken to many doctors because they're not. 
and history and study would show you that they may have certain specific needs, specific issues based on specific cultures. But if we don't wanna take that into account, what we end up with in my view is more dead patients. And then of course we have the issue with nurses, the incredible nursing shortage that exists out there, which comes uh, as doctors describe it to me, clearly from a level of payment. But then you have what's, what's happening with the filtering out of nurses because nursing schools and medical programs would, and, and hospital groups would rather be woke than save lives. That is the story that I believe is told by Laura Morgan, a nurse in Texas who, writing in the pages of the Wall Street Journal, implicit bias training cost me my nursing job. Laura Morgan joins me right now. And just to make sure we understand, you were told that you need to take implicit bias training. Uh, You said, I won't take that training. You then lost your job. Now, the question before us is, let's start with that big, big elephant in the room. What was the implicit bias training and what was your objection to it? Well, hello, Tony, and thank you for having me. And you're right. The implicit bias training that I was asked to take by my former employer, I refused to do, and it did cost me my job. And my objection to being mandated to take this unconscious bias or implicit bias training is that the materials intended to tell healthcare providers what to think instead of how to think. And my job with the organization was as an educator. And that job includes guiding people and especially young nurses. I was the nurse coordinator there into developing critical thinking skills but they want us to take implicit bias training and to agree that we need to acknowledge that we do have biases with our patients and against our patients and that we must keep that in the forefront of everything at the point of decision-making when we encounter our patients. And that's just really detrimental to, to the the healthcare profession overall and to the the provider patient relationship as i hear that conversation laura i i say two things first i am a man who admits i'm i'm a human being alive and well I absolutely, I absolutely have biases. I have biases to who I'm attracted to. I have a bias towards uh, fashions uh, that that I like, to foods uh, that I like. I have all sorts of biases all the time. As you describe it, it seems that the training they wanted you to take was that was to somehow think that when you are dealing with a patient, your bias to the extent that it may or may not exist is changing the way you dealt with the patient. And therefore, by taking this training, they're actually changing how you deal with the patient. So what was your standard for the, the 39 years you were, you were a, a, a nurse uh, working there in, in Texas? And what is it that they actually wanted you to change? Well, my standard as a nurse was, you came to see me, you have a problem. Are you breathing? Is your heart beating? And we can go from there. Didn't matter to me what your 
skin color was, but the concept of implicit bias says that certain groups of people are guilty of being prejudiced against other groups simply by virtue of their skin color. It's just that they're unaware of it, so they must educate those biases out of us. And the idea of implicit bias goes along with the ideas of anti-racism. And they're, they've been telling us that the entire healthcare system is systemically racist. So now we must root out these biases. And when you place this type of faulty emphasis on the provider-patient relationship, it really erodes the dynamic of trust you need that's essential for caring for them because they came to you with a medical problem. We need to not create barriers in, in the relationship that we need between us and our patients. Talking to Laura Morgan, a nurse, uh, let go from her job after 39 years for refusing to take implicit bias training. She wrote the op-ed over at the Wall Street Journal. Um, did this training call you a racist? Did the training state that you, based on the color of your skin, are a bigot no matter what? The specific training that I took asked us to acknowledge that we will consider our unconscious biases when we encounter our patients. But let me direct you towards what the Kentucky Board of Nursing is asking their nurses to take as a condition of licensure. They're directing them to a course by the Kentucky Nurses Association that is telling nurses that implicit bias kills and that their biases place their patients' lives in jeopardy and contributes to modern-day lynchings in the workplace. That is a quote from the course that I took. Modern-day lynchings? Yes. And the, the we have a graphic in that course that says that white supremacy is the driver of systemic and structural racism. And so nurses, you, you know, you're really putting your patients' lives in danger with your biases. And the graphic and, and another screenshot from the course can be seen at donoharmmedicine.org in the commentary section. It's the most inflammatory and divisive thing I've ever seen, and it really has no place in nursing because this sort of thing just degrades the profession. One of the things that we we note, if, if you take any uh, step back and look at this at all, is the importance of... Um, knowledge and institutional knowledge. I discuss this usually in, in the world of a political reporting, that one of the problems that we see in, in, for example, the White House press briefing room and we see in newsrooms is that the more seasoned, longtime reporters have been pushed aside. And when you push those people aside, you don't have the ability to teach younger reporters how to actually engage in interviews, how to actually do uh, the investigations, where the sources are, how to find these things and put these things together. In the world of nursing, as it is explained to me, if you don't have seasoned nurses 
helping younger nurses. What you are, what you create is far more work for the doctors. You create far more opportunities for things to be missed or misdiagnosed. And what you get is an emergency room or other places that clearly has a higher mortality rate because the knowledge base got pushed out. Have you seen correlation? How do you have anecdotally uh, stories uh, that show that when nurses like yourself with a long uh, history uh, are moved out of the ER, out of the the setting, uh, that other nurses through possibly and potentially no fault of their own other than their own lack of knowledge because things take time, it leads to more uh, deaths? Right. And so where do nurses get their education from? They get it from the university system. And so example that I can have is when encountering these new graduate nurses and the vast majority of them are are in their early 20s that they're coming to us entering a nurse residency program in a hospital setting and they're telling me about their microaggressions and don't have any idea how to use diagnostic reasoning or or think critically in, I'm seeing this with this patient and therefore that may happen. It's, they've had this constant drumbeat of everybody's racist, you're oppressed, this person's an oppressor, and it's making its way into the healthcare industry and is just really infiltrating everything and and is it keeping laura is it keeping nurses out of the 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 industry have you had nurses who say you know what this is ridiculous Uh, this is not what i signed up for i'm gone some of them have some of them like me have been forced out and then there are states that are making mandates that say Hey, you know, if you want that license of yours, or whether it's a, a, a nursing license or a medical license or a, some other healthcare provider, you must take implicit bias training. If you don't, you're not going to get your license. So no license, no job, and no career. So there, you know, Kentucky, Michigan, Massachusetts, Maryland, they all require implicit bias training as a condition of licensure right now. And the nurses I've talked to, the word they use is that they say this training is really insulting to them. This doesn't reflect any way in the way they they think or feel, and things like this just add to already high levels of frustration and burnout. What's next for you? I mean, uh, do you find another job? Is your career now done? What, what, what comes next? My nursing career is done. I've made my peace with that. But the, the best part about this, if there's a silver lining to it, is that I am affiliated with Do No Harm right now, and I really encourage your listeners to go to donoharmmedicine.org, see the work that we're doing. We, we provide advocacy and education and um, resources for people who may be facing similar situations like my own. 
Laura Morgan, uh, you can catch her op-ed over there at the Wall Street uh, Journal. If you follow me on uh, Locals, TonyCats.Locals.com, we will post it uh, there for you. Sarah, we will get that done. Sarah runs our social media. She'll handle that. Laura, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate you uh, sharing. I hope we get a chance to speak again in the future. That would be wonderful, and I really thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Get ready for X. No, no. Not, not that kind of X. I'm not, I, I, I didn't mean that kind of X. I'm not talking about getting everybody high, everybody. One, two, three, four. No, five, it's not what I meant. Oh, come on. I'm talking about X, the letter, dot com. This is, is uh, Elon Musk. This is the, uh, the, the new proposition when he's like, oh, Twitter, you know what? I changed my mind and, uh, and, 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 I, and I'll buy it. I'll, I'll buy it. You know what? I, I, I figured it out. Life uh, finds a way. And a $44 billion, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. And people are like, OMG, are you kidding me right now? No, 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 no. He, he's he's going to do it. And he refers to it as an accelerator, an accelerant to creating X. Buying Twitter, he puts on Twitter, is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. Now, this is kind of interesting. What in the world is X? X.com is something that he had when he went all in on on PayPal early in his career. And he actually paid money to get that back. To keep that in his in his control. Um X as I understand it, as I've read about it, what I think he's trying to do is create a world in which Twitter is totally open and you may very well end up paying for feeds. You may end up paying for content that you want. And so therefore, while you still may be able to grab a whole bunch of things, you can make sure you're getting specific things, maybe you're excluding specific things, uh, and, and the idea of really opening it up. Of course, the left is screaming and yelling about this. I actually have exclusive audio of the left being upset by the idea of Elon Musk owning Twitter. That's right. Because they don't want the political right to speak at all, which is, of course, madness and something we should all be opposed to. The political left should be able to speak. I just wish they said better things. Of course, they should be allowed to speak. If Twitter is the town square, the town square has to be available to all the people in the town. So maybe this will will change things. Then then you have the the, the other parts of it, where if you're now engaged in the idea of a a payment to hear certain things, well then maybe they can also market to you, and maybe the app is also engaging a level of e-commerce. So I am not sure what what uh, Elon means exactly by the everything app, the everything of what. But it is it is very clear that he's going forward with a plan. It seems a a, a strategy, a, a a theory. 
Will it work? Won't it work? I I don't know. Is $44 billion too much for Twitter? Absolutely. You know how many football teams you can buy with $44 billion? A lot of them. You know how many basketball teams you can buy with $44 billion? A lot of them. If I had $44 billion, I would try and buy a pro team. Oh, I'd have fun with that. I'd have fun with that. I'm pretty sure with $44 billion, the only thing you couldn't buy is a major league soccer team because those people are just freaking nuts. The costs there are insane. Meanwhile, Joe Biden spends a lot of time in Delaware. Funny thing, we don't know with whom. Oh, and uh, gas prices versus abortion. Guess Guess which one people are really talking about. I've got that all coming up. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. TonyKatz.locals.com.